3: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my marvelous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt?
2: Well, I just spent a lot of time making friends with a whole bunch of pirates and then betrayed them all to the um, system government in a bloody battle that culminated at the end of the whole deal where i had to like this i had to disarm nuclear reactors that were overloading and then you know kill the dude was in charge of the place and he was like you know i would i was good to you and i'm like yeah actually you were much better to me than any of the people on my side but you really shouldn't have attacked me at the beginning of the game i i hold up so that's this- that's been me
3: That sounds like starfield
2: oh yeah yeah <laughs>
3: uh well i haven't done anything with any bands of pirates though i have started replaying through cyberpunk 2077 uh in preparation of phantom liberty which be coming yeah, I, out i've
2: got all my stuff saved already i've got like a like a bunch of level 50s i've got a bunch of levels indeterminates that are like ready to go yeah i'm set for phantom liberty yeah I figure once phantom liberty drops i'm going to be doing that for a while so yeah i'm trying to get as much starfield in as i can up front
3: which is totally fair and i think i'm going to be uh, i started yet another playthrough in Baldur's gate three because i am a monster Um, and just need to continue to play that game because that's what we're doing. But I'm still playing WoW because, of course, we are. uh, And we're going to be answering questions. And, again, if you have questions for this podcast or any of our podcasts, I want you to go ahead and send them. And they can be about other games as well. They don't always have to be about Blizzard IPs. We do talk them. We do play other games. Uh, So if you have questions about the story of those games, feel free to send those in as well. Uh, You can hit us up at podcasts at blizzardwatch.com singular podcast at blizzardwatch.com specify the show that it's for in the subject line please so that we can go ahead and make sure it gets to the right place. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can also hit us up on discord. If you are are not a Patreon supporter, we have a Q and podcast questions channel where we do look for questions. And if you are a Patreon supporter as a way of saying thank you, in addition to getting all of our content ads free and in advance, we tend to look for your questions first in this particular channel. It's the Patreon Q and podcast channel. Uh, you can just, Basically, you know, do the same thing. Tell us what show you want it to be for or and then ask your question and we'll be more than happy to uh, to take them. As a matter of fact, uh, if you send some more in, I would be very, very happy with we we've we've sort of hit a, a lull and I would like more. <laughs> All right. But we're going to start with a question from uh, Razorbug or Razorberg, uh, depending on how I feel like it this week. We're going to go with Razorbug.
2: Now it's time for Razorberg to shine.
3: <laughs> uh, hail those! What do lore watch? Uh, while I did play Warcraft one, two, and three, and I can only claim to really know any lore from WoW, maybe I was lost in between inserting disk eight of sixteen in my IBM 386. Oh my god, I understand that reference. Oof! Uh, I did ma- playing
2: Sid Meier's Pirates. Sometime it was on one disk, but my god, it was on a giant floppy disk. Sif,
3: so, Sif yeah. four. Uh, if it did make me a, th- it did make me think. We've burned through the majority of old big bads from Warcraft past, notwithstanding the void uh, we have to touch on every time. Who what, a few expansions down the line, would you bring back to be a big bad from deep Warcraft history that we have totally forgotten about? Who would you shock everyone with the reveal of? Our fussing about in Shadowlands and the dealer's private collection gives carte blanche on returning dead characters, so what niche thug would you have come back as cosmic threat and how would you do that? So, I don't know, Matt, what do you think? Blackhand. Explain.
2: Warchief Blackhand. Okay, Mames Vad, <laughs> Blackhand who's the first war chief of the horde. Blackhand, bring that guy back.
3: Okay, this is where I am going to encourage you to give more because this is an audio format, and
2: I understand. I'm just—I don't <laughs> think it really requires a lot of thought. Uh, he is—he is as unambiguous a villain as one gets. In, in plus, he's a dupe. You know, he wasn't ever really in charge. He—he he thought he was, but meanwhile, the Shadow Council and Gul'dan were doing whatever they felt like in the background, and Blackhand was just like, whatever. I'm gonna go do the various horrible things to do. I don't think he actually talked like that. I'm pretty he was much more of gruff and orcish. but i I can't do an orc right now um yeah i I just think wow could use a guy who just does the bad stuff that needs to happen in order for the game to proceed. We need the, the horde as we as we have it now has been going through a trajectory that has basically taken it from like the villain to anti heroes to conflicted to uh, right now still trying to feel out what's going on with the alliance and all that stuff we could use actual bad guys straight up just doing the wrong thing for the wrong reasons guys um and gals yeah i mean you know that'd be helpful too and i think black would be a really good pick he's he's malleable if you bring him back he doesn't have to act exactly the same way being dead for a while does kind of mess you up um, and he could come back like he could come back as some kind of Death Knight like thing. Maybe he's you know working for the 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 true villain of Shadowlands, the Primus. I don't you know lots of possibilities. But at at his core, Black Hand is absolutely completely uncomplicated. He wants to be in charge. He wants to be powerful. He wants to have a lot of you know sex. Like straight up, he has like you know five kids. Um, he's just. He does what he wants to do. He's he's id. He is id unleashed. And sometimes that's good for a story. Y- you don't always have to have everybody be deep and introspective and full of like, you know, secret yearnings and conflicted ali- allegiances. Blackhand's only allegiances to himself. He is he isn't the most evil orc by a long chalk. That's always going to be Goldon. Goldon wins that one every time. Uh it's it's not even close. The the next most evil orc after Gul'dan is, I mean, you know, people who worked for Gul'dan. Uh, Nurzul is not even in the top 50, because Nurzul wasn't evil. No, he I mean, originally he was
3: other- a, he originally was a dupe.
2: Yeah. And he basically got more and more desperate trying to save his people until he, you know, he burned so many bridges and done so many things he didn't know what, you know. And then he got grabbed and, you know, stuck into a suit of armor as part of, a, like, a complex plan. And then he didn't you you know.
3: share the space with some whiny aristocrat. and.
2: Yeah, the whole thing was just if if Nerzul came back, I'd actually feel bad for him. Like I I would want him to like get a break. But but you know Blackhand Blackhand doesn't have the sweeping grandeur of a Gul'dan who is like literally cackling on top of a you know, a spire while holding the skull of someone in his hands. You know what I mean? His own skull in some cases. Um, he never actually held skull. I'm just. Uh, but you know, Gul'dan's got kind of a grandeur and epic sweep to him. He's like the Shang Tsung of Warcraft. He's just everybody hates this guy. You no, know, even people who work with him don't like him. Blackhand is is not that. Blackhand is basically just he's just an orc who was never particularly far thinking. He was never particularly like you know his his pri his biggest sin was being war ch- was being chief of a tribe. I'm, I'm sorry, a clan that was that had Orgrim Doomhammer in it who made him look bad in every conceivable way. Like everything that wore, that, that uh, Blackhand wasn't good at, Doomhammer was good at. Having him for a second in command must have been infuriating. It's like Spock times a thousand. Like Spock is good at most everything and he kind of makes Kirk look a little weak at times. But Kirk's got his strengths and he's, you know, he's, he's quippy and he's, you know, good at improvisation. There, there's a good teammate there. There's no good teammate with Doomhammer and Blackhand. Blackhand is like inept and short-sighted and a fool and evil and doomhammer is is for an orc at the time noble and thinks about his people first and isn't corrupted by power or bloodlust or actual demon blood um, there's just there's a story in contrast here it's it, it's almost a shame to imagine what would happen to blackhand if he didn't have doomhammer yeah to, to hate. And to, to need at the same time, because he needs, he hates this guy because it makes him look, you know, he, he's constantly aware that everybody thinks, why isn't that guy in charge? But at the same time, he needs him because he is just not very good at the job. There's, there's a, I you can have a lot of fun with Warhammer who suddenly doesn't have that and is like having to come up with his own plans. Imagine if he found out he was actually okay at it. Like the biggest problem was that he just never tried.
3: Yeah that'd oh, be interesting yeah. like, be well, didn't going, we, like didn't we kind of get a little bit about that in uh warlords of draenor
2: well yeah but that's warlords of draenor where things are you know the, the rules you know the, the rules are, don't make sense and you know everything's made up
3: um we got to see a little bit of it we got to see yeah. glimmers glimmers of what that would look like like what him untethered more or less would, would what look he
2: like. actually trying would be mm-hmm. yeah like and he was doing okay i you know he wasn't he wasn't war chief in that version but you know as as the head of the uh iron horde yeah no he wasn't head of the iron horde he, he became the,
3: the- he became the head of the iron horde at the end didn't he when we fought him
2: no 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 that's that all the time up until he got captured by uh guldan uh grom was was head of the iron horde
3: oh During i'm thinking the- of blackhand or- sorry yeah.
2: Uh, blackhand yeah blackhand was never uh head of the iron horde uh he just was their weapons guy but it's like it's Blackhand, you know, it it was, it's just fascinating to see him as a figure. Like he, he was competent in warlords. And I think to a certain degree, that's because he didn't have anybody manipulating him. Like Gul'dan played to his ego. Gul'dan played, you know, Gul'dan, if, if anybody knows how to lie to people, it's Gul'dan. Oh yeah. 100%. This is a dude who is well aware of how to lie. I feel like I've been going on for a long time on this one. And I really could go on and on about why Blackhand is effective. But I'd like to let you talk about yours. Um,
3: so. Yeah, so this is one of those ones that I've, I've kind of rattled around for a couple weeks now because, uh, you know, razor bug I don't know that I really want to look to the past anymore. And the reason I say that is because one of the most exciting things for me is when loose ends do get tied up quite a bit. Uh, I like I enjoy that. I enjoy when the long-term goal or, or the long-term storytelling has a big payoff. And we've had a lot of that over the last few years. There is one that hasn't really been sealed up yet. Uh, and anybody who tells me that it has, I will, I will disagree with you vehemently. And that's Azara. Azara is still a wild card. She is the most powerful villain on Azeroth that we still have to deal with at some point and yet just have not, you know, the entire last expansion, we were in the land of the dead and she was doing things. Uh, this one, we're on the dragon isles and we know that she's doing things there as well because there's Naga everywhere. There's caves that are filled with them. They're looking for something just as much as we are. We still don't know what it is, but she knew that the Isles existed and therefore like she's still active. She, she knows what's going on around the world right now. And, I enjoy her because she is so intelligent as a villain. One of the things that I think Warcraft villains have suffered from in the past in particular is sort of the mustache twirling villain effect where characters who are normally deep or have a lot to offer in regards to, you know, the depth of their, their intelligence are sort of reduced down to sort of weird comic book or cartoon esque plans. And I'll, Throw Sylvanas in there because, unfortunately, I think that while I really liked the character and I liked the idea of her as a complicated villain, her stuff got a little too cartoony at the end. Um, and so, like, towards the the end of Shadowlands, it just didn't have the same weight. Like, when we're going to fight her in the Sanctum, it didn't feel the same. It didn't f- have that same sort of gravitas, if anything, at least in my opinion. Um Still good storytelling, just not necessarily the big bad villain. But as Jara, on the other hand, talk about somebody who's loyal only to herself. Talk about somebody who, you know, just craves power. And we've talked about her a few times in, in the last few weeks. It's one of those things where it's almost never enough power for her. I mean, heck, Sargeras might have been, maybe, possibly been an okay mate for her. Because he maybe was on an equal playing field. And that's not something you say to like a Titan or somebody of that magnitude, unless you are absolutely positively certain of your power. And we have no idea what she's been doing. Technically we, you know, and I'm air quoting this. She's free of Nazoth. We don't know if she is or isn't, but there's a chance that with Nazoth having to be doing whatever he's doing, that she may be free to of his influence or figured out how to free herself of his influence. She has a ton of artifacts and she's definitely been gaining power still. I'd like to see that come to a head. We talked a couple months ago at this point about like an all elf expansion culminating in, you know, fighting Azara or like the, the forces being opposed of them. I'd still like to see that. I'd like to see, you know, the elves being forced to come together and work with each other on a professional level. Not maybe necessarily like everybody singing Kumbaya or anything like that, but just like, listen, we have a bigger problem. We can deal with this later, but right now, she is going to basically destroy everything if we don't deal with it, and I don't trust the other the other races to deal with it because this is, this is our problem. We made it. Let's go take, take care of this. I'd be okay with that. The other one that I've been thinking about a lot are essentially Void Ethereals. We had a little thing with Void Ethereals <laughs> back when uh, we got Void Elves as part of the expansion. Uh, yeah,
2: brief mention of them in the uh, Legion stuff.
3: There's a brief brief uh, mention of them, but when we got there, and we got to the the I think it was uh what is it, the
2: It's one of the Argus zones, but I don't
3: remember. The Telagris Rift, or Telagris Rift, I think it was. Um uh, okay. where we get there and there's a bunch of void ethereals, essentially the Nether Guard, which was led by Prince Durzan, who is attacking Magister Umbrick and his followers, trying to transform them into ethereals. We have not talked about that. You can transform other creatures into Ethereals? Question mark? What does that mean? What does that mean for all? We know that Ethereals transcended into the current form that they are in from their home planet when things went sideways. We've never actually explored that process. And you talk about all the voidy things. There's an entire cult, essentially, of void walkers or void ethereals out there that need to be dealt with we don't know who is necessarily still running them i don't know if i necessarily trust locust walkers still and talking about how that is just such a, a a cool unexplored space that if we start dealing with anything more with the void which it seems like we're being set up to do thanks to some of the current uh you know mild spoiler, some of the current dungeon content that we've experienced that sort of set up Eridicron and what he's planning to do and who he's working with. Void is going to become a thing again. It's going to be something we have to deal with. I'd like to explore this a little bit more. I'd like to explore a little bit more of what it means to be a void elf. Uh, what it, how close they are to accidentally becoming ethereals or void ethereals at the point. I'd love to see that. Uh, and then deal with sort of the fallout from Koresh, because we still haven't really dealt with that either. Either we know it exists, we've seen it. We've uh when we were doing the Astromancer fight, we see Karesh confirmed in multiple interviews that one of the, the void planet that was being swallowed by void tendrils that we saw was Koresh. We don't we haven't dealt with that at all yet either. There's so many of these cool little things that we could seize upon and explore. And I really would love to see spend some time doing that. And the last one, and I'm going to say this because I think it is to me would be very very interesting. I would like to see alternate URL become a big bad not because I don't like URL, but because it it's a very interesting design space to me. villains wielding light. I would really like to see how that would work because we keep talking about the light as like this uh, wonderful like you know righteous thing and Matt and I've pointed out over the years, you don't have to be good to wield the light. You just have to be an empty vessel. Even when we're fighting a corrupted uh, Anduin, when he's got you know Arthas' soul operating like a control center for him, when he's doing the Jailer's Bidding, he's still wielding the light. He's using the light against us. Urel is doing this very like fanatic crusade or onslaught that reminds me a lot of the Scarlet Crusade and the Scarlet Onslaught. Bring that back at a cosmic scale. Make it make it so that she is a problem and that we have to deal with it and then deal with the moral ramifications of what that means to all these characters that have seized upon the light as something that means pure, holy, or righteous, or goodness, and then how they deal with the fallout of it being used for something awful or for being just something that is diametrically opposed to their moral compass. These, to me, these three ideas are more interesting than resurrecting any past villain we've experienced. And I would much rather start moving in those directions and start picking up those little threads than uh, outside of Azara because she is just eternally wonderful, uh, than maybe resurrecting any of the ones that have passed from this world or are gone forever. So those are my picks. I don't know if you have anything else to add to that one, Matt. Not nah, it's going to be Blackhand. <laughs> maybe maybe Black Hand is a, a Void Orc. Ooh. vork a vork all no right. i
2: mean in all sincerity i don't think it's gonna, after all that good talk you did i felt like i had to say something not good so i did
3: <laughs> all right well hopefully that answers your question razor we're going to move on to our next question here uh and this one comes from cariana a night elf obsessed uh, night elf druid obsessed with lore and this podcast well oh thank you I'm listening to some episodes from BFA era, and you talked a lot about the Hour of Twilight. I'm starting to wonder, with Dragonflight having the looming threat of Galakron, what if Galakron returning is the Hour of Twilight? Deathwing was the catalyst to the dragon's returning to the Dragon Isles, along with many other events, and discovered more about Tyr and what he did to Galakron. The dragon aspects talk about how stopping the Hour of Twilight was one of their purposes, and Tyr raised them to aspect level after Galakron. What if Tier knew Galakrond could return? What if, now that we have another Black Aspect, the Hour of Twilight will begin? What if stopping the Hour of Twilight helps them get their Aspect powers back? Uh, forgive me if there's more story about this in-game. I'm a little behind the main story points. That's okay. There's a ton of stuff this expansion to catch up with. But I don't think you've missed anything too terribly uh, like out there that would change your view here. But I'm going to turn it over to Matt so he can talk for a little bit. Because I know he loves Galakrond. And I'm air quoting that.
2: You're air quoting Galakrond?
3: That you love it. Why would you why that would you, you do love that? Galakrond.
2: You love Galakrond. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> who do I who do you actually mean if you don't uh, Anyway, anyway, am trying I'm gonna have just have to move past that. Uh Joe's weird air quoting. Why do I, don't, I, don't, I don't think. No, 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 get on the subject. I don't think we've heard anything definitive yet. Like the only time we've seen much about Galakrond is in the time travel dungeon. Um there hasn't been a lot of This is what Tyr actually did. Here's the concrete deets. uh, Here's, you know, we we know that Tyr was doing something with the water from the the font, the font of water that, you know, is is currently being used in the the life pools and so forth. He was doing something with that water, and he was trying to, like, give power to Galagrand, who was the oldest and strongest member of his group. And therefore, at least in Tyr's experimental view, was a good test subject for this possibility to to try and bring order to dragons who are elementally chaotic by nature. Um clearly Yog-Saron sprinkled some badness juice in there. We we know that from this expansion. We found that out in Old places. Um but we don't whatever Oridcron is doing, we don't know what it is. Like he got the essence of of Galakrond, but we don't know how he plans to use that. Like what what he, what is Oridcron's end game? We don't know. We don't know what he's trying to do. <clears throat> he kind of went to the Jailer's school of Keep doing your plan. Don't stop and explain. Like, I'm a little annoyed that these villains have apparently gotten the Evil Overlord book. And they're like, oh, right. Okay, don't do anything not on the list. Great. I, I can't brag about my plan. Dang. I still love bragging about my plans, but I can't. Not even when it's useful exposition. I don't. So I don't think there's anything that would stop what you're saying from being the case. There's no current thing in game where you're like, well, that can't happen because galacron has been converted to the side of good now. Um, man, that'd be a really weird meeting the, the, the aspects all standing essentially on Galakron's back because Galakron was as big as all of them put together. Like, what do you think Galakron's mortal form would look like? Would he he have one of the really weird ones that the, the proto-drakes are taking? I'm asking you, Joe. I don't don't know. Like, but, but to get back to it, I, I, there's nothing in the game that says what you're saying. It couldn't happen. I don't think that's where they're going. That's just not the feeling I get from it. That, that, you know, they're going to reveal, oh, the actual Hour of Twilight. Now, for one thing that retroactively makes the previous thing that they did not seem cool, like standing and stopping the Hour of Twilight, that was a big victory. It was a, it was a, you know, this is a triumph to quote GLaDOS. Uh, I'm making a note here, huge success. Then then having it come, oh, actually no, that this is the Hour of Twilight. That was just the lead up. That was the warm up to the Hour of Twilight. It makes like, not just the aspects themselves, but all those mortals that helped them look kind of dumb. You know, and that's that's why I don't think they're going to do that. I'm certain they're going to reference the Hour of Twilight. Um, I'm sure that it 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 absolutely plays a role in what's happening now. But I don't think it's just going to be, a, oh, it turned out that the, you know, here when when they said all this was the Hour of Twilight, they meant now because then that just sets up the precedent that when something else bad starts happening, that'll be the Hour of Twilight. the Hour of Twilight will always be happening in the future. It will always be, you know, we we've always been at war with Europa. We've always been in the Hour of Twilight. So that's my my gut reaction to what you're saying. But in terms of in-game lore, there is nothing technically stopping them from deciding that that would be what they wanted. There's there's no missing pieces that would make it not happen.
3: Yeah, it's one of those things where we talked about, I think we talked about this when we did uh, a talk about the the dragons in general, and we had, our, our, I think, four or five episodes about just dragons. Uh, you can go back and listen to it. The Hour of Twilight is one of those things where, it's open-ended enough that they can do stuff like this if they wanted to. They could bring it back to, to Galakrond. They could bring it back to the Void and, and everything that's happening now. But my personal opinion is that the Hour of Twilight has already come and gone, right? So the Hour of Twilight was something that was, one, prophesized, uh, and prophesized by the uh, – I believe it was the Prophet of Twilight, which turned out to be Archbishop Benedictus, who had made a deal with uh, – you know, some old god. I forgot which one. If they ever said which one it was. Um,
2: well, the ones that were attacking uh, Wormrest Temple uh, and the ones that were in charge of Deathwing were servants of Nizoth.
3: So then he very clearly then he would have made a deal with Nazoth. I mean, for that
2: matter, though, it's not like it would. You know, if if he had made a deal with Cthulhu, I mean, Cthulhu would is just as happy to make things crazy and, and chaotic as as anybody else. Like if you've watched. Like, you remember when we were actually during, during Cataclysm, for that matter, um, Cho'Gal was invoking C'Thun the whole time. Like, the, you know, the master he was talking about was Cthulhu. It wasn't. Yeah. It
3: was not. Well, and plus, the interesting thing is, I, and I still think this is the case, I think Archbishop Benedictus started his descent into madness uh, way back in original WoW when we brought him the cursed eye of Paleth and he cleansed it. Oh, and I'm air quoting cleansed it uh when we got yeah, it out of yeah. we got it out of razor Fen downs because well i mean it's a cursed eyeball it could be Nazoth, it could have been C'thun, it could have been uh it could be a number, a number of things but i'm sure that started regardless going back to the hour of twilight the hour of twilight is oh dude
2: dude you gotta stop i'm sorry but you just made me think of something go for it razor Fen downs yeah razor Fen downs was there was there were like a ton of undead attacking it and so they were making deals with elementals right
1: mm-hmm. they're
2: trying to stave off the undead uh and what was showing up, what kind of, you know, besides elementals, there were also twisted, you know, creatures and the, the, the big monsters, right?
3: Yep. There were the big monsters. There's also a plague going on as well.
2: But I mean, like the big pig monsters, they, 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 they had giant pigs as well as, you know, the other stuff. Yeah. Or I think it down's a crawl. It doesn't matter. They're both basically. And the Quilbor, this is the, the Quilbor tribes and they were, ta- ta- they were ta- tapping into Agaman and. Uh, yeah. And that just made me think of Razor Downs, And that made me think of Black Fathom Deeps, where the Naga are. And this is right around the same time, whilst, uh, you know, the old gods are, you know, corrupting places all around. There's actually a place in um, the Barrens. Oh, man, I can't remember the name of it. The Wailing Caverns? Yeah, the Wailing, yeah, Wailing Caverns. Yeah, Caverns. Wailing Caverns has the same problem as, Bla- as uh, Black Fathom Deeps does. It has Hydra. And Hydra are sacred to the old gods because of. Yashaj,
1: mm-hmm.
2: who was the one with all the heads. Mm-hmm. And so looking at Razorfen Downs, looking at, at you know, Razorfen Crawl, looking at the you know obvious old god corruption that's taking place and and opposing the the necromancy deal. And then you look at Black Fathom Deeps and Wailing Caverns, where there's hydras everywhere, and how far away is Wailing Caverns from Razorfen? It's just on the other side of it's just on the other side of the Barrens. So I'm, I'm starting to wonder, you You remember like the last time we were talking about the the, the old time theory about there possibly being, you know, five old gods in total and the, the map people keep drawing and so forth? Yeah, of course. What if it's not that there's five old gods, like a, there's one we never heard of? What if an old god we have heard of is going to come back?
3: Well, I'm, I'm confident if, and I'm confident that that will happen.
2: No, but the one that will be coming back, it's entirely our direct fault because he was killed air quotes but his heart was kept buried and then his heart got out and was being used by an orc war chief yeah over in you know Duratar and then we destroyed that apparently although we don't know how we did it like there's nothing there's nothing when you interact with it it, it melts into goo and there's nothing about how that happened or what you did to it if, if anything and now you've got those hydras you've got the car what kalimdor the part of kalimdor that is the barons and that whole region it's it's on the coast it's towards where the the well of eternity would have been you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and what is the well of eternity if not the essential murder site of yisraj it's where yisraj was killed like we we, we know about yisraj because the shah are all over the uh all over pandaria but Pandaria is not the only, it's not the only place that was touched by the will of eternity. The will of eternity touched every part of Azeroth and it was, it was Yashraj's death place. And yet we know they can't actually die. They're like the Titans that way. They can't go to the Shadowlands. They don't have an existence that allows them to be part of the cycle. They even, they talk about cycles a lot. Five torches, you know, five lanterns to light our way. Yashraj was stuck in the earth. The, the, the soil the, and the rock of the world. So much so that when um, Amethil tried to pick him out of it, he just ripped him into pieces. And those pieces fell everywhere. I remember we were talking last week about how those world trees were being used to try and purify it. Mm-hmm. Try and clean it all up. What if the the thing Ilganoth was trying to be was the way back for Yashaj as a tree? Because it had deep roots into the earth. And it was ripped out of the ground. He's trying to, you know, the, the, the old gods are like literal corruption here. And hydras are sacred to them. And changing things is sacred to them. And all those dungeons are like right near each other. Razor downs and crawl are like r- just across. Like, I think it's like a, a f- like you get on your horse, you ride for like five minutes and boom, there's the other dungeon. Whaling Caverns is not much further. It's, it's just outside the crossroads. It's maybe a five to ten minute ride. And Black Fathom Deeps, which is harder to get to from those areas, is still not very far in terms of actual distance. It's it's on the coast, and it goes over. If Yashraj was this big central force in Kalimdor at the time, it would make sense that he's his influence is being felt in that area. And it would make sense in terms of where we've seen that the other old gods are, because we know that... Up up in War, that's where Yog's remains are being kept submerged. We only saw a tiny bit of him in the brain room. His his tendrils went through all of Northrend. The whole place was just infested with Yog. Their bodies are enormous, and we've barely seen like little projections of them.
3: And like even with C'Thun, we've been in like Cthulhu's stomach. But yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you on that one. So
2: what if all of this, everything the All Gods are doing. not out of respect for him it's out of use of his power the last time they fought the titan they lost because yashraj was basically in charge and he wasn't capable of leading a defense at least in the the other old gods would probably think so anyway but his power was undeniable he was more powerful than any two of the others and that has me thinking about everything you just said just made that pop into my head is that that idea of wait a minute this is all in yashraj's territory like we know where Cthulhu was, he's down in the south, right? Right. We know where uh Yag was, Yog's up north. We know where Nizoth was, he's essentially over in what's now ocean. You know, Nazath's region is part was in the places that got subducted. So he was underneath the night elf empire the whole time. He was underneath the original Kaldurai Empire, the one that was led by Ashara. That's why he contacted Ashara. Because she was right there, he was just biding his time, and that makes me think. What? Remember, we talked last week about the what the golden eyes signified, what they meant, and how they might come to be. Like, is is that you know? Are you hearing the whispers of Azeroth? Nizoth would be he's he's listened to the whispers of Azeroth before. Hell, his entire plan in Battle for Azeroth was to use the Azerite to sow chaos. Right? Mm-hmm. The Azerite is literally it's it's. It's Azeroth's blood, but Azeroth isn't like a, it's not like a physical baby the way we were describing it. That's, that's a metaphor for what it is. The Azerite is power. It's, it's usable by anybody. And it's certainly usable by the old gods. In fact, that's why they were sticking themselves into the planet. They were feeding on it. I mean, we talked this about the uh, Kajamite and the goblins and the trolls and the effects that Kajamite was having on the goblins and how the goblins were initially created by of all people, Mimiron. And Mimiron was a titan construct, but one that had gone completely off the rails when he died and was recreated in a different body. And that means, remember, we were talking about this. We were talking about the whole idea of, you know, they can, you know, they can bring something forth from the dream into reality, right? The idea that the old gods might be trying to learn that trick. Well, what if that's all the reason that Memoron's attempt to create goblins as a, as a servitor race was corrupted by the old gods? Cause we know it was, Maybe that's why. They wanted to learn how Mimoron did it. Why was Mimoron still here? And it all comes back to they want to use it on Yashraj. They want to bring Yashraj back, not to lead them, but because he was so powerful that it took Amonthul himself to kill him.
3: Yeah. And I mean, I think part that that's always been part of it is that they, I think there's always been a plan to try to bring Yashraj back. Um, now, looping back to the Hour of Twilight thing, just to, to. Well, that's
2: my thing is I think that the Hour of Twilight, that was. I think there's a way to make the idea that the, the hour of twilight, I don't think you want to erase the hour of twilight or say that wasn't really the hour of twilight. I think, however, you can make it work narratively by saying it, the hour of twilight was always intended for you to solve it.
3: Yeah. So that's, that's that- kind of what I was, that's kind of where I was going with it is that I think the idea of the word twilight, I think is intentional, right? Cause what is twilight? Twilight is the light of the sky between full night and sunrise, or between sunset and full night we've been always looking at it from the sunset to full night but what if it has nothing to do with that what if it has everything to do with that the the night the time between full night and the sunrise which is essentially that cycle of rebirth right it's this idea of reconstruction or rebirth that's usually what dawn means and it doesn't necessarily have to be limited to uh what we've already seen now, i think there is some aspects that were already and we've talked about this before where i think there's some symbolism because of how it was dis- described and how it was prophesized. because yes it was prophesized by somebody who served the old gods but then also the dragons had visions of it because like ysara saw this in her dream and yes we can talk about the emerald nightmare and how the dream was being corrupted and that is certainly an aspect of it but everything was was that we saw in there was taken as very literal and i don't know necessarily that it needed to be um but we talked about this before where a lot of the stuff that was prophesized or at least said that was going to happen kind of already did right like we've ysera's death basically at the hands of her own power that happened that legitimately happened uh Naltharian dying uh his carcass impaled upon Wormrest Temple while his carcass wasn't on Wormrest Temple he sure died in that assault uh we sure finished that fight which started there uh and took it down to the maelstrom and and beat him there all you know of these all of sorry go ahead
2: well we were talking about this before you have to kind of look at it from the perspective of the way the old gods handled the, the word truth.
3: yes i was just gonna yep that's exactly where i was going with it please continue
2: well, there's that whole concept of the best liar is somebody who never lies to you. Mm-hmm. Um, the old gods don't lie. The things they say are true. I'm Now I'm ear quoting, but they're not true in a sense that there's no intent to tell you a falsehood, but there is every intent to lead you in a direction they want you to go. Um, to call it manipulative is kind of an insult mm-hmm. because they're, they're far beyond manipulation. They're straight up into mental mind games you know, they're, they're messing with your heads. Like literally they are messing with their heads and the heads in question are every head, every, everybody, body, everything that could possibly be of use to them in their goal is going to get used. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I don't think that the hour of twilight, like it's not still the hour of twilight, but I do think the hour of twilight was exactly designed to, to lead us to where we are now.
3: Well, yeah, because I was going to say, think about the time. Well, as you say, think about the time we're in right now. What is happening? Yeah, the the I mean,
2: lots of these go ahead.
3: The dragon aspects are being reborn, right? Essentially, they're getting their groove back. That's sort of the whole point of this expansion. Maybe not as aspects because we haven't finished the expansion out, but they're regaining their sense of self. They're 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 taking up their mantle. But that seems to be the theme: is this theme of rebirth? And we're kind of already there. All these things that were prophesized happened. And what does that mean? What possibly could that mean for the future? But I think you're on to something, and I think you're right. I and what I'm saying is like I agree with you that I think Yashraj is sort of like the next logical. Um, I don't want to say investment, but if anything was going to come back, or uh, you know, if anything was going to be reformed. I think it could be Yasharaj. Maybe not necessarily as Yasharaj. Yeah, maybe
2: they're not going to bring him back because you can't. But but they're going to refer for the Shah and use them for something. Or something, I don't know.
3: Or Nazoth being gone through the re-origination process and having those very deep roots from Yasharaj that got left behind to uh, sort of build upon. Maybe Nizoth isn't the smallest one anymore. Again, consequence of our actions.
2: Yeah, there's lots of ways you could go down. It could honestly... Ilganoth was called the Corrupter. Mm-hmm. And we also know that the Gahoon, who is the creature that was created when the uh, Titans were were studying the old gods, Gahoon was like a disease, mm-hmm. like an actual disease vector because corruption and spreading are things the old gods do. I may am phrasing. It. Uh, I just, I just find myself thinking about this, like in terms of what's, you know, the whole idea of the thousand truths is to use information not to like lying is easily dismissible. If you tell people lies and then they figure out that you were lying, they just ignore you. Yep. But if everything you say is always true in some fashion, it can be looked upon as factual. It's like they're not they're not talking in riddles and being obscure because they're trying to make it fit what ends up happening. They're doing so to get you. To think about it. They want you to decide what it means. Because by doing that. To use the terms from from Mass Effect of all things. You, you are using the technology that they devised. You're using the way they were thinking. In your decision making. And once you start doing that. They have you. And it can work. Like you were talking before about URL, It can work on being like URL. It's entirely possible that URL is listening to the old gods right now. Yeah. Because they're not going to lie. They're not going to tell her anything that isn't true.
3: And we've already yeah. seen again our Archbishop uh Benedictus is a great example. He was still able to wield the light as well as the yeah. void.
2: Absolutely. And if Urell like I'm just imagining, remember everything that the uh that the uh the, the light bound were saying when they were attacking the, the uh the maghar? That the maghar did this, that the mm-hmm. maghar, you know what if it's all true? What if they were told that and shown that it was true? Um, maybe it, the Maghar didn't do it in the sense that they they went out and said, we're going to blow up the planet. Maybe they just are responsible for it because the Iron Horde let Gul'dan, you know, summon multiple demons into like Tanan jungle and essentially kickstarted the planet's slow death because that's what happened to our Draenor. Remember? When our Draenor was dying and Nuzel had to try to find a way off the planet, it was because they had brought in a ton of demons and a bunch of warlocks and everything was dying. Azeroth has something that Draenor didn't have. Azeroth has a world soul. That's why every time the Legion has shown up, Azeroth has reacted much in the way that like any organism would react when an existential threat is, in, is introduced to it, even plants. Like when something that can kill you is introduced, you react. And that has me thinking that the old gods, therefore, how is it the old gods were able to burrow into the world? How is it that the old gods were able to, subver- to subvert parts of it? They, they can't be seen as a threat. And that's why they don't lie. Because lies indicate malice. Lies indicate you know bad intentions. The old gods would argue up and down that the, the, the intentions they have are the best for everybody involved. And you can't prove them wrong because it's a first off, because it's just an opinion. And secondly, because it doesn't, they're, they're telling you the truth. They are saying true things when they say that, oh yeah, this is the best possible fate, non-existence for everybody. It's much better. It's much better than this horrible being alive and doing things thing. And you don't want to be dead and turned into like a battery for some like weird dimension. No, 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 no. We're just going to make it so nobody exists. It's going to turn everybody into like pulsating goo and it just all be absorbed into the void. And then we'll just all be nothing. Doesn't that sound better? Totally sounds better to me. You know, what about my friend here? You know, and they'll keep approaching different ways to get this to happen because they have nothing but time. Because they don't die or live or do anything, you know, it is really an interesting concept. To me. This this idea of the old gods essentially being like the the ultimate manifestation of what you were talking about. Because if you are ma- if you if you are a master of the void, if you're a master of nothing, you're, you you know light isn't that complicated. You know, light light will actually straight up tell you this is the way things are, and nothing can change it. Whereas the old gods are like, no, absolutely, everything can change at any moment you know you can be happy and in love with your 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 you know your chosen one in one moment and then you're alone and they're all dead and you you have to you just have to feel the pain that's existent but we can make it better we can just get rid of the pain entirely for everybody wouldn't that be better so yeah i definitely there's there's something to this i'm really liking i i find myself really interested in what river is doing that because he he went and got the essence from Galakrond, um and then then like they went did the whole Shadow Flame thing. He seems to have not really concerned himself with the Shadow Flame very much. He just let that to no, Fire he, Act.
3: Well, and that's the other thing too, right? Like looking at looking at a Reddit Crown, looking at his actions, he knew about it already. He didn't have to go into Aberus, right? Like, did you notice that? He this is before they went inside of Aberus. He sent Phyrak to go do the thing. He literally said, go get this. He knew it was there. And some people are chalking that up to, you know, he's just an earth elemental dragon. So very clearly he knew about it because he's the counterpoint to Notharian. But I find that interesting. Like, why? Is it just because he's attuned to that element that he can talk to the old gods and find out that stuff? Because there are others that clearly can't. Or don't or won't. Um, He's not the only one attuned to that. He's not the only one that can attune himself to it. If that was the case, when Thrall took on the mantle uh, of Earth Warder for the temporary ceremony, when he filled in in that position, uh, he didn't hear any whispering, not really like that. He had doubt. He had uh, there was the whole, uh, you know, pain, doubt and, and crippling fear that he felt internally but I don't think it was ever said that it was like an old God assaulting him. Not really. Um, but he also didn't gain instantaneous knowledge of all these places and all these things. Right. That's
2: an interesting point, man. Thank you. What does it feel like to be assaulted by an old God? What does it feel like when they talk to you? Does it always come as madness and pain and fear, or can they talk to you in a pleasant civilized way? Nazoth. every time Nazoth has, to- has spoken to us, Nazoth has been nothing but pleasant.
3: Well, there's been exceptions where he flexes power, yeah,, like-
2: but he starts off diplomatically when when he first tells you about how he's chosen you, like he's if anything, there's an alienness to him. He doesn't feel like he's a real good buddy or anything, but he does feel like he means what he's saying.
3: Yeah, which which is true, and, and that. But that's not also the point that I'm trying to. to no, no, get no go at here. ahead with
2: your point. I the, just I just want to come back to that. That whole idea of like what might be a terrifying ordeal for one person could actually be just like Thrall didn't have time to recognize that the old guys were talking to him because he was barely in the job for like five minutes.
3: Which is fair, but also, Eridicron doesn't seem to be going mad. Right. It's just it's the idea of was there an exchange of information or. I've,
2: yeah. oh Or if there wasn't an about.
3: exchange of information, what if it's something he just gleaned and something he knew about without their intervention? Because he's seizing power, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, or was it Zalatath that reached out to him? Because Zalatath, when we last saw them, was being freed from the prison of the blade that they were in and sort of sent off. Like being told you know what you gotta go do, go do it. Mm-hmm. What is that? What was that? Was it all about this? Was it about finding a crown? Was it about freeing the aspects? Is Zalatath or the, the aspects the um uh the primal ancient the primal incarnates? Um is is Zalata the one that showed up in the Titan facility? Because very clearly that does not stop Zalatath anymore and we know that void can reach those facilities because it's order not, not, not dr- that really drastically opposed to void in that no. they didn't really care about that containment of it or prevention of it getting in. Um, is that something that she started their that chain of events? And well, we know
2: that b- even before Zalatath is freed from the blade, we know that the old gods can attack uh, because the Legion attacked old and that le- that left them not able to do anything during Battle for Azeroth, except you know shut off the thing. Now we have to we have to go back to finding oh, one on at some point. Really? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But you you got me thinking though. What if the thing here is that what seems to us when looking at it from naltharian as madness, as as he he went insane. What if that seems like Eridicron's getting saner? Because mm-hmm. you just pointed out. Void isn't opposed directly to order. Void is opposed to light. Yep. Those are the cosmic forces in opposition. Void can impose order on you to get you to do what it wants.
3: And this has been something you- he's been doing for a while from the description of it. Like yeah, Alex Straza and uh why can't I never remember that the ice primal incarnate name?
2: Yeah, Varanoth. Uh,
3: Vernoth. Uh even talk about like, you know, these are his dark biddings, these are the deals that he's been making for for, you know eons or whatever the case is like if you only knew the truth of the deals he was making it's like so was he already like in bed with the old gods and void beforehand was he was he able to hear whispers of Galacron before all this other stuff happened because again Galacron is a wild card here yeah we don't know how the rest of the dragons reacted to it outside of fear and we do know that Galacron was eating the dragons and spitting out necrotic babies, essentially. And those undead, weird, necrotic babies were going through and just murdering dragons. And after everything was done, when he was put down, what was left behind? We see a little glimmer of that in the dungeon, though, too, right? Like, we fight essences of his corruption. We fight bits of him that aren't necessarily bits of him. And and here's an interesting thing. Those bits jump into the corpses of dragons, and then use those dragons. Those yeah,
2: well, what did we find out at the end of Shadowlands when Kali uh, Menethil was talking to the uh, person from Plaguey Place? whose name is escaping me at the moment. We find out that necromancy isn't powered necessarily by, quote-unquote, death. Mm-hmm. Like you know, necromancy is literally just using magic to, you know, blur the line between living and dead and any form of power can do it as long as it knows how to and that's in part because of what Kalia herself is that she is the she is basically a, an undead but not a forsaken but an undead powered by the light the light is keeping her animate and the light seems to have no trouble with that the light doesn't balk at it. The light isn't like, ooh, this is oogie oogie bad. The reason that Zeliax light burns the Forsaken is because the power that is animating the Forsaken is what? It's death magic. Yep. It's the power from the Shadowlands.
3: Yeah. And the interesting thing with Thalia is like, she's more akin to a light forge than anything else, really.
2: Yeah. But at the same time, she's in a, she is undead. She is oh, yeah. Just she was like dead. Undead. Yep. And what do we know about the beings from the Shadowlands when exposed to the light. We know that it is not good for them.
3: Well, we know that, at least for some of them, it's not.
2: Well, I mean, we know that when the when the uh, Naru attack uh, Revendreth, they sear the whole freaking place. And that's the thing. We, we're always talking about the light. We're talking about it in its positive aspects. It's it, how it reveals, you know, dark. it splits darkness away from us and allows us to perceive the world and yada, yada, yada. But It wasn't until Shadowlands that we ever got a real idea that, oh, or we can turn it into, we can use a magnifying glass and burn you like ants with the power of the light. Because that light doesn't, you know, light is why deserts are uninhabitable. Light is why, you know, Venus is not a place you want to go on your vacation. Light is the only way that the power of the sun reaches us because nothing, nothing else from the sun aside from like various particles of electromagnetic energy can reach us through the the vacuum between us and the sun. And that means that light is basically the primary force by which life on this planet even exists, but it's also what burns planets away and they, thus they can't have any. It's, It's that thing, that dichotomy that void embraces void embraces that there are multiple facets to the truth. Light keeps trying to tell us that there's only one truth, but that's, if there is only one truth and you have to know what it is, you have to know the negative and positive aspects of a thing before you can really know what the truth of it is. And this whole thing, ooh, every time you, you the thing about Galakrond, that's really getting to me because his necromancy was, was not, it was void powered. It was the void much like Calia is the light. Yeah. It was, was he already dead? Was he an, an undead being at that point? and those dragons that he was eating what what was he doing to them was because, he just killing them or was he consuming their life
3: yeah cuz that's the other thing that we don't know and maybe we'll we'll get to a point where we we see what that is um but and this is a huge but uh we don't Thank know you. <laughs> we don't know that when Teard experimented on Galakrond, if Galakrond was alive, we know that he, or, or that he didn't die first. And that's what they had to do with the corruption of him, that he had to be dead in order for the malfeasance to sort of take hold. Um, Because again, he's essentially being infused. And even if he drank from the corrupted font, if he's alive, would that have made him an undead monstrosity? Would that have made him essentially v- plague V one Because that's what he really was. He was the original scourge.
2: Well, he yeah, it, it's, and it's you can make an argument that all the undead that we see on Azeroth that predate the scourge
3: might be because of him and because of essences and pieces of him left behind throughout the world.
2: Yeah, because yeah. you said as you pointed out, they jumped into dragon bodies, but where there weren't dragon bodies, were they going to be like, well, I'm not going to jump into some elf? That's or, ridiculous. I'll just wait here.
3: Or maybe they did. Or maybe, yeah, they, maybe they. did. Maybe, maybe they're the source of the actual uh, gnome leprosy. Um, maybe they're the source of some of the original mutations of the trogs. Um, maybe, which maybe trogs started as. Uh, we we know that they they were supposedly a variant split of the of the earthen race. What if they weren't? What if they were earthen that died? That all of a sudden, like you know. Some of this old oh god corruption that happened to be from Galakron, which wasn't necessarily too far away from where they started life, uh, just decided. Well, that seems like a sturdy body. Let me pop into here, and then started a whole chain reaction. We don't know. We don't know. I, we
2: don't even know. We don't even know what happens if that stuff goes into a living body. Correct. That doesn't right. die. Like maybe that's just. It's pretty much like the you know curse of flesh on steroids. Maybe that's why you get sudden rapid, you know, maybe the reason that the Vrykul went from being, you know, okay, okay, we are still, we're made of flesh, but I'm like 12 feet tall, man. I'm tough. Voop, now you're like five feet tall. Maybe that was, you know, something like what happened to Galakrond. Because we know that the, the Winter Scorn War takes place after Galakrond, right? Mm-hmm. But it's this big deal in Northrend involves the aspects. Why are the aspects involved in a war between Vrykul warlords?
3: That is a because good Tyr, question.
2: Tier, ask them to because the Winter Scorn were somehow working for Loken.
3: Because right? we do know, because we know that the Vrykul, at least some, some of them, were all about tears life, but apparently, mm-hmm. but not all of them, apparently.
2: No, we know some of them were working for Loken. Um, he was he he considered he was calling himself the Prime Designate. Uh, and there were some very cool who were like, you know, the Titans can't be trusted. They've turned their backs on us. So there's a lot of options there. But just think about the fact that the Winterscorn first come into prominence. They're working for Loken. And what are they doing? They're riding on proto-drakes. Mm-hmm. And that's apparently a big enough deal that the aspects get involved. Like, what if the Winterscorn War is nothing more and nothing less than, from the dragon perspective, it's the original war with the Proto-Drakes.
3: And part of that, I think, might have into some of the hatred that the uh, incarnates feel towards the dragonflights as well, potentially, because we still don't know if subjecting themselves to the Titans' experimentation is the only thing that they're mad about, because... Some of the things that have have hinted, or or at least that they've said in cinematics or in exchanges, uh, especially levied at Alexstrasza, is your decisions led us here. You ruined our people, essentially. Um, And it never specifically says only because you accepted the Titans gift, but also because the Titan Watchers maybe waged war with the dragons involved in them and force them to sort of almost enact our own civil war at the very beginning like there's a lot of stuff there that is just awful I mean it is there's a lot of potential <laughs> for for reasons why uh, I guess you could say but wow we've we've kind of gone all over the place on this one so
2: it's what you come for folks
3: it's true but i don't know if there's anything else to add to it how about uh, how about I you mean, we, we could
2: keep going but you know we should probably let it go because it's like almost five thirty.
3: yeah i think we're gonna call it there folks <laughs> <laughs> blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch your continued support means this podcast sighting community is able to thrive and grow Blizzard Watch reporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the Q and an ads-free side experience. Again, if you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those in to podcast.blizzardwatch.com. Uh, if you can't hit us up on email, hit us up on Discord. If you are a Patreon subscriber, please go ahead and hit us up in the Patreon queue and podcast questions channel. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, let us know how to say your name. Uh, if you can't support us on Patreon, don't want to send us an email, you can also send in questions to the Q and podcast questions channel. We will look there as well uh and yeah just kind of help us out there more questions mean more gooder Uh, but i think that's going to do it we're probably going to have some wild tinfoil hat episodes coming up in the near future because i think matt and i are both uh starting to spin a little bit and i think the walls are going to start getting the uh the pins with the red yarn going through them pretty soon
2: that's that's primitive you should use a, a whiteboard
3: yeah but i just i i want to reenact the charlie day i I am very much tactile but
2: i'm all about like if if i could i would just have it be like an entire wall of screen
3: (laughs) well we're not going to minority report this uh but with that folks we'll see you next week